The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Wow, fancy. Today on the lab report, EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. You've heard the commercials. For EPI? Or CPI. <laughs> the world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Are you excited? I'm always excited. Vegas, baby. Oh, Here we go. Here we come. Nothing like World Congress. A4M. Hello. Hey, Michael Chapman. Patty Devers, what is new with you? Not a lot other than we're going to Vegas next week, and hopefully we'll get to meet a lot of you listeners out there. That would be superb. Please make sure to come by the Genova booth if you are going to be in Las Vegas at A4M next week. Uh, and yeah, actually, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. You mean me? Well, yeah, sure. But I, I, I kind of was talking about everyone else oh. who's listening to yeah. this. This yeah. is a podcast called The Lab Report, brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and precision health. Right. And if you're new, welcome to the show. Hi. If you're returning, thank you so much for all of your support. And mm-hmm. hopefully you go to mm-hmm. iTunes or Spotify, mm-hmm. maybe subscribe to the show. And to Michael's point, if you're in functional medicine or precision medicine and you happen to be attending A4M, come by the booth, the Genova booth, and we'll be podcasting from there. Oh, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> like there's, I we'll be wired up yeah, we somehow. Got I don't we know whether it. it's with wires or without wires. We'll we don't out. know, but there might be a camera involved. Yeah. Whatever is going to happen, it either will or will not be amazing. <laughs> Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Unless of course you appear on the lab report podcast. Oh, uh, then it's forever. It's <laughs> eternal. Whatever happens right. on YouTube is also eternal. It will be forever etched in your brand. So Come by the booth and just have a good time with us. Come meet us. We want to meet you. No doubt. So uh, what are we doing today, Patty? Well, we're going to talk about, to your point, EPI, exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. To my point? Did I, I, you said EPI beginning, not CPI. I was CPI. just putting letters together, honestly. Oh, but yeah. I think you were confusing it with the home security system. No, that's ADT. Mm, different right? one. CPI, ADT. Do they all have three letters? I don't know. They should sponsor so us since we're talking about security thing? Them. Yeah. Like the NSA? Kind of. CIA. FBI. What are you on about? That's a good question. What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about the pancreas today, which is a gland. Thank you. Yes. I don't know why you felt it's... the need to look at me when you said that. Like, <laughs> by the way, did you know, Michael, there's a gland called the pancreas? <laughs> well, it secretes things like wow. digestive enzymes. It works in hormonal balance, insulin resistance. It does secrete insulin as well. I love how much we know about the pancreas. <laughs> it seems to get a lot of attention when we're like, it does. Secrete stuff. does things. Uh, yeah, it's super important. It's man. really important, though, yeah. It secretes insulin from the beta cells, from the alpha cells. It secretes glucagon, which is important for blood sugar regulation. Which, you know, I just have to say, insulin gets all this recognition. Right. Right, and I get it, right? Type, type 1, type 2 diabetes and uh, all the problems that ensue thereof. But glucagon mm. is, in my mind, is almost all as important or more important than even insulin because of the way that it regulates the fasting state. Mm-hmm. And, and when you essentially when you turn off 
glucagon, you turn off the fasting state and thereby it changes your entire uh, storage of energy. Yeah, but it also secretes something called amylin, which is also made in the beta cells, and it helps to control your appetite, and it controls stomach emptying, so also super important. But it also secretes various digestive enzymes. Well, right, and that's the main reason why we're talking about it, because, uh, you know, we like talking about GI health here in uh, functional integrative medicine, and when we always start with the gut, then we need to talk about what the gut does, which is break down and absorb food. Big right. part of that? Yep. It's breaking down food. <laughs> so we need things like amylase and lipase and various proteases that are made in your pancreas to help you break down proteins and fats. Right. And so like we've said before, when you hear ACE, A-S-E at the end of a word, that mm-hmm. signifies an enzyme. And if we're talking about the, the ones you just mentioned, we've got amylase, which breaks down sugar. We've got lipase, which breaks down lipids or fats. And then we've got proteases, which break down protein, which is why, you know, commercially, if you go and you're, I'm going to get a digestive enzyme Mm -hmm. or something like that, then you'll look on, spin that bottle around and you'll see amylase, protease, lipase, and various other things on the backs. And that's what you're supplementing with. And since we know that this is a gland, we know that there are different types of glands. There are exocrine, there are endocrine functions to a gland. What's the difference between those two? Oh, that's interesting. So you're going to get me here on the entomology? Um, um, entomology so, is the study of bugs, Michael. So when I think about these two words, I think they're, they should be swapped. Why? Well, because with exocrine, mm-hmm. E-X, I think of exogenous, mm-hmm. meaning it's like somewhere else, from somewhere else or going somewhere else. But with exocrine, it's actually meaning that it's uh, released into a duct, right? And so with... Endocrine, endocrine uh-huh. function, it's not released into a duct. It's released into uh, just... Systemic circ- circulation. Exactly, exactly. Right. Like insulin is a classic example of that, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that's the designation. I would yeah, and so if we're talking about stool testing in the GI tract, it makes I don't know sense. why there's a duck in there. Okay. It's a duct with a T. But if we're talking about the GI tract and stool testing, it does make sense that we're talking about exocrine because it's something is secreted through the pancreatic duct into your GI tract. I mean tract. So here's the thing about the pancreatic duct. It does seem like it's quite, it's got a long distance to travel to hmm. get to the duodenum. Do you, do you believe this here? I well, mean, it's like, relative. it seems like, it's not like the miles pancreas away. is like way over, well, uh, like relatively speaking, I mean, the pancreas is on sort of the central left side of your body, unless you have situs inversus. And then it has to be deposited. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> does your pancreas... Is your pancreas involved in situs inversus? You, I would think so. I don't know. I would assume so. I thought it's chest. everything, right? Like everything is swapped. Is it not? Google. Okay. Google that. Let's Google it. Just going to sit here and bask in my glory of getting 20 points for incorporating situs inversus into the conversation, <laughs> which means my, my nerd point score is way up there. Got it. Okay. So you get more than 20 points. I'm just going to tell you that. Oh, so, so you can give yourself a ding there. Okay. Um, so the normal arrangement of your internal organs is called situs solitis. Now, there's a congenital condition where the major visceral organs are reversed or mirrored from their normal positions. Right. And we often think of things like dextrocardia, which is your heart is flipped and sure. your thorax. Right. So that's where I was thinking. But situs inversus totalis is when all of your viscera are swapped. Uh, there we go. So there we not go. Not only do you get a ding for the situs inversus mention, but you are using it correctly. So, and I will props. get a bonus nerd point with the recognition that Enrique Iglesias actually has situs Whoa. inversus. Wow. 
So how about that? <laughs> wow. There's that extra point. All right. Well, how did we get on this topic? Fun fact. Uh, the oh, pancreas, we're talking about the pancreatic the, it, duct. That, that, yeah. It seems like a long way Got for it. exocrine pancreatic juices to be flowing mm-hmm. from one organ to where they're de- being deposited in the duodenum, right? It seems that way. Anyway. But you see what what could happen then if you have pancreatic insufficiency and these important functions aren't able to happen, like exocrine pancreatic insufficiency or EPI, which is what we're actually talking about today. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because one of the big concerns that we might have is with the lack of digestion and absorption occurring based on that, then you would have inadequate delivery of the nutrients, right? We're eating food mm-hmm. to get the nutrition out of it. And so if that's not working very well, you're not getting adequate levels of amino acids, levels of vitamins, nutrients, things of that nature. So um, that's a big problem. But it also can pose a problem for your overall GI health as well, um, just by the sheer lack of what happens when you have maldigestion and malabsorption of food, right? Yeah. So if you're not breaking down and reabsorbing proteins and fats, more of those things make their way into your large intestine. So for example, if you're not breaking down and reabsorbing your proteins in your small intestine, mm-hmm. more of them make their way into large intestine and get fermented yeah. by the colonic bacteria, the commensal bacteria. So you might see high levels of things like short chain fatty acids on a stool test. Mm-hmm. You might see high levels of fecal fats on a stool test. Yeah. And I think one thing that's interesting about that too, is we used to actually call some of those short chain fatty acids, putrefactive short chain mm-hmm. fatty acids. It's because the bacteria are literally putrefying maldigested or undigested protein. And mm-hmm. in that circumstance, and there's some evidence to suggest that that might be somewhat inflammatory in nature or might have some associations with uh, overall colonic dysfunction and maybe even risk around uh, colon cancer. And another thing that's similar is the maldigestion, malabsorption of fat and even bile to where you're getting primary bile acids being fermented into secondary bile acids, some of which are also damaging to the lining of the GI tract and associated with colon cancer. So to a certain extent, you could see where the maldigestion, malabsorption of some of these food products can actually be a big problem for overall colonic health. This leads me to this concept of SIBO. We've talked about small intestinal bacterial overgrowth in the past. All roads lead to SIBO. Your small intestine doesn't have as much bacteria as your large intestine. And it's because of things like the migrating motor complex, which is sweeping things through. It's because of things like hydrochloric acid and the acidity of your stomach, which makes it an unfriendly environment for bacteria. It leads me to think... If you have exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, and we know that the pancreas also releases things like gastrin, if you have insufficiency of the exocrine pancreatic function, does it set you up for SIBO in the same way that hypochlorhydria does? Oh, I don't know. Well, we know there's an association between the two, but what is it? I I, I mean, I don't know, but um, I mean, I could take a stab at it. Oh, here we go. Sometimes literature is inconclusive. That's right. No one really seems to know the answers. Uh-huh. But we're lucky because we have someone who always has an answer, and that's Michael Chapman. What? He's going to offer us his logical speculation. I am? Yeah. Listen, I mean, when you're having a conversation, okay. you're just talking back and forth with right. people. You're not always having an answer. You're just right. having a conversation. You're We're not sussing it out. I'm not saying that I, I am correct in my assertions. Listen. It's just, you Michael. know, it's just kind of we're, we're using logic to spitball all that. Yeah. And you're really, really good at it. So spitball away. I mean, I just don't like the way it comes across as all. You know. I mean it with all due respect. Because you're a genius. Yeah, whatever. Okay. A so, veritable genius. <laughs> <laughs> Redundant word. 
when we are talking about SIBO and as it relates to maybe pancreatic insufficiency PEI, one of the concerns is that since we're not digesting things like fiber, protein, all these different materials very well, it could very well be stimulating a lot of excess materials for the bacteria, such as, like I said, protein, a lot of undigested protein, fully formed protein. That's going to be, you know, in a way, a prebiotic for a lot of the bacteria. Same thing goes for some of the fats, some of the bile acids, like I mentioned before. So you're giving them a big bolus of substrate to provide. And then the other thing that you're doing is you're, you're sort of creating a disturbance in the overall colonic balance to where this is not the natural setup. Like our, our GI tract is naturally meant to break down and absorb sufficient amounts of foods with periods of not eating, right? And so you have this whole cascade of effects where you've got a high delivery of food substrates and you've got a lack of interval between when the food's being digested. So that is a problem for SIBO. I mean, it's an answer. Well, I was actually thinking opposite. I was thinking once you have SIBO, it causes villous atrophy in your small intestine, which then blunts that feedback loop back to the pancreas to secrete enzymes. So I was coming at it from the other side, but that was really good logical speculation, Michael. Well, and it's very likely that it could be kind of a downward spiral where right. it's a feed-forward cycle, yep. right? You've got the essential maldigestion, malabsorption, which could come on from stress, could come on mm-hmm. from so many different things, contributing to an exacerbation of a bacterial overgrowth, thereby making the actual pancreatic insufficiency even worse. Okay, so why or how does someone develop exocrine pancreatic insufficiency or EPI? I mean, Patty, you were the one who primarily wrote response is responsible for approve the support guide. So I'm sure <laughs> that you probably have it, if not implanted into your brain, it's <laughs> on the screen in front of you. So maybe you could help me out with some this of that. I think of stress, but that's actually not one of the things that's been that's been borne out in the literature. So right. whatever you're about to say, I'm sure is plenty <laughs> literature cited and the things that I'm that's saying. Who I is, am. Completely made up, even (laughs) though it makes logical sense. Well, one of the most common causes is chronic pancreatitis from all kinds of things, like chronic alcohol use. Stress. Not really. But also other things like autoimmune pancreatitis, or someone's had surgery to remove part of their pancreas, or cystic fibrosis is a common one in children. Here's a real simple one. Mm -hmm. Diabetes. Yeah. Right? Chronic diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird, because we think of it primarily as just affecting insulin production. Mm -hmm. But... Turns out it also can affect other things that the pancreas produces as well. And we're not just talking about autoimmune diabetes, type 1. We're mm-hmm. talking about all forms of diabetes. That's right. There's also an association with EPI and celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease, um, obesity. It's, it's almost as if uh-huh. the pancreas is susceptible to negative feedback from a variety of influences. Yeah. Right? It's pretty important. Yeah. And some of those are inflammatory in nature. Mm-hmm. And other of others might be from uh, perhaps other things such as, uh, oh, I don't know, stress? Nope. Which naturally has a parasympathetic element to it, which reduces blood flow to the GI tract. Mm-hmm. We know that. Okay. So would it not make sense that also with reduced blood flow via parasympathetic stimulation that we would see reduced production of pancreatic enzymes? Does it make sense? Yes. Is it in the literature... I'm not sure. I'll go looking, but I haven't found it. We also know just aging, as you get older, your pancreatic function starts to fall minimally. So it's also on the list. But I think the next place I'd go here are 
what are the signs and symptoms if someone were to have EPI? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, here's this. It, it doesn't get very pleasant from here on. I mean, if you're <laughs> listening to this in the car with small children, I would recommend maybe turning the station or something like that because it, it gets a little hairy from here on out. But we talk about stool literally every single podcast. But no, I mean, it's, it's probably our number two topic. Oh, I see what you did there. Back to the signs and symptoms of EPI. Sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, I mean, undigested food is a big problem here. Uh, Steatorrhea, like mm-hmm. you mentioned before. I have here also listed uh, diarrhea, foul-smelling stools, which is probably related to that aspect of the bacterial fermentation, the putrefaction that we talked about earlier, bloating, flatulence, abdominal discomfort, uh, which is kind of a general sign and symptom of maldigestion, and then uh, weight loss, right, which mm-hmm. makes kind of sense. Why, why do you think weight loss makes sense here? Well, you're not digesting and absorbing nutrients in food. Yeah, your GI tract is not doing that thing that the GI tract, I think, has right. evolved to do. It's supposed to do. All right. So let's just hypothetically say you have EPI. What do you do about it? Well, all of a sudden, hypothetically, I have EPI. (laughs) What are you saying here? I know you very well, though I don't know you that well. You're saying I'm stressed out? No. But what if we diagnosed you with EPI? What are the things you do? Well, here's what I would do, right? Oh, gosh. Let me start here because I'm a naturopath. Mm Mm-hmm. I might consider supporting the symptomatology, right? I might consider giving mm-hmm. pancreatic enzyme replacement therapy. However, more important than treating the symptom is establishing why it's there. Yep. Which means I'm going to backtrack and try and figure out what is causing the negative feedback mechanism in which there is a suppression of the endogenous production of digestive enzymes. So I'm going to go looking for the root cause. Great. So you go to the root cause. You do your best to reverse it. In the meantime... You mentioned it very rapidly there. You can supplement with pancreatic enzymes and something they call PERT, or pancreatic enzyme replacement therapy, in the meantime, to see if there's something you can reverse. And if not, you can continue to support the pancreas's function. I've never liked this acronym, Me PERT. Me either. I would just, I, A, um, it's not onomatopoeia friendly at all. It's not. And um, it seems wordy, excessively wordy. Yep. I, I don't think we needed four letters for this. I, don't, I agree with you. I'm so. like, EPI, I get... Pert, not so much. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they weren't consulting us for the acronyms or anything. Oh, oh look what Travis. we got. That's the most obnoxious sound, Travis. Is it? Or is oh, that? that oh, that's wait, close. Yeah. Or is this the most annoying sound? No, what time is it? Oh, you know what time it is. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Wait, what time is it? Oh, I think you know what time it is. Question of the day, question of the day, question of the day, question of the day. Wow. Wow. I, like, I mean, you. I, I like how is done. that a mating call I, I like what to you've any done to species that. on this planet? <laughs> how is a species still um, procreating? I don't know. Well, let's get to the question of the day. And here it is. So we know the gold standard to diagnose exocrine pancreatic insufficiency is something called an it's an isotope breath test called the mixed triglyceride breath test, which was then modified with a carbon, labeled carbon. Then you could also collect your stool for 72 straight hours and they quantify your fecal fat. But clearly neither I'm gonna of those are I'm going to go out on tenable. a limb here and say that I don't think many of us actually no. knew that that is the gold standard for identifying EPI. Well, it is, EPI. but it's not used a lot because it's just not tenable for you most people. You don't say. So here at Genova, there's got to be a way that we look at exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. I mean, we're a lab testing company. How do we do it? Uh, yeah, there is a way. It's much simpler. Yeah. It's on the GIFX 
comprehensive stool no. profile, the 2200. And it is a marker called pancreatic elastase 1, which is a marker for exocrine pancreatic function, right? It's a protease enzyme uh, that we're evaluating. And so uh, if you see lower levels of pancreatic elastase 1, then that's going to be indicative of a insufficiency. And that's, it. you know, it's one of the ones that we call medical decision point because mm-hmm. we put so much leverage and weight around it when you see it low that it's a, an indicator for the need to supplement with pancreatic enzymes. So. Yep. And it's really well described in literature as a, a really good surrogate marker to look at EPI rather than collecting your stool for 72 straight hours. Right. And you could do something like a serum amylase lipase to evaluate this, you know, if you're worried about chronic pancreatitis or mm-hmm. things of that nature. That being said, this is a really great way to, on top of everything else that you're evaluating on a stool profile, to mm-hmm. get a look at digestive, or as they say, digestive fortitude. Wow. Um, and to, to determine whether somebody's predisposed to poor digestion absorption of their, their nutrients and their food. As if you needed another reason to order the GI effects. I mean, how many more can there be? Well, there's a lot more, which is why it's such a great test because there's so many different things that you could be talking about. I know. And that's just one marker. So you get the GI effects, you look at the PE1, see if they have EPI, and decide whether or not they need PERT. OMG. Next time on The Lab Report, the one, the only one of our favorites, Dr. Christian Jensky. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Man, he's just, he's the coolest. He is, isn't he? He's the coolest. Yeah. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Chex Mix season. Already on it. I know. I've already eaten some of it. I've already gone through a four-pack of butter. It's dangerous. It's addictive. Grandpa Rick's recipe. It's so good, Michael. Yes. Why for Christmas, though? I don't get it. Why any of these things for Christmas? I mean, the popcorn tins with the three different types of popcorn. Why popcorn? that's true. It's really just the tin. And you do have decorative tins. It is the the Chex Mix in. Yeah, that's a great idea. Is that from an etiology perspective uh-huh. it was the tin the tin yeah. started all of this you can put anything in a christmas tin and, and make people it were like christmas. we've got christmas tins we've got to find stuff to put in them <laughs> checks mix as good as any that's right